Yes, I am the one that gets to talk about sex. So, hey, if you are a first-time guest or if I say anything that might offend you or, or you have a question or a comment, you can email me at brandon.bactel at stonepointchurch.com. And uh, we will get back to you as soon as possible. But as I was going through this message, I was thinking, okay, what illustration do I use with this, right? Because it's, it's a difficult subject to talk about. Um, it's not one that bring, brings up all good emotions. It's not one that brings up all bad emotions. But it's a difficult subject. And so uh, I talked to my wife, and I was like, well, what, what is something that I can use? Can I use this illustration? She's like, oh, no, no. Can I use this illustration? Nope, no, nope, not that one. Uh, what about the, no, don't even mention that one, okay? And so as I was just thinking through, God in his sovereignty brought me one through a couple that's in our church. And so I want to just throw this out to you and say that there was a woman in our church, I'm not going to name any names, but she uh, was sick last week, okay? And she didn't feel good. Um, it took a while, probably four or five days to get over. And lo and behold, here comes Valentine's Day, right? And so uh, the husband would go to work, take the kids to school, and come Valentine's Day, if you remember, it was a little rainy, so he got sent home from work a little early. And so he comes home, and just like every good husband, he checks on his wife and says, hey, um, how are you feeling? And she says, oh, I'm, I'm feeling better, and, and she really was. And she, he asked the question, do you want to make some noise? Now... She took that as, do you want to have sex, okay? And so she's sitting here thinking, okay, I know it's been a long time. It's uh, Valentine's Day. The kids are at school. Uh, it's, the weather's nasty outside. Uh, this is like all the conditions are perfect, right? And so she says, yeah, okay, I feel good enough. Yeah, let's, let's make some noise. And so she goes to the bathroom, puts some clean clothes on, gets ready, brushes her teeth and comes out and there's no husband. And she's like, What's going on here? Like, what, what's so she starts looking around and looking for me. All of a sudden, she hears a, this table saw going, and she realizes, oh, that's the noise he wanted to make. There was something in the kitchen that was needing to be fixed, and he just meant, let's go make some noise and work on the kitchen. And so, what does that tell us? Communication sometimes destroys intimacy, right? Like, we get our past, we get our expectations, we get the way we've been communicated sex before from family, from coworkers, and we bring that to marriage. And we think that if I say something this way, you will interpret it that way, and, and it's, it's not going to happen sometimes, because we're just not the same. And so we need marriage translators, right? Marriage translators, anybody want one of those? Well, I've got a video for you that I want you to check out because this is all about marriage translators and, and how that will help out. We need to talk. You've done something wrong. Okay. I'm toast. No, I'm not <laughs> upset. I'm upset. I'm just kind of surprised. I'm a ticking time bomb of volcanic fury. Because you forgot about yesterday? Because you are a moron of epic proportions. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday. I'm toast. Yesterday was the 15th anniversary of our first official date. Oh, that's right, I remember. I have no memory of that. Do I need to get some flowers or something? No. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. No. Are you mad? No. Yes. You'll remember next year. I will. I won't. 
So how do you like the casserole? It's, uh, it, it's a new flavor. Tastes like the devil ate a skunk sandwich and vomited into my mouth. That's my mom's favorite recipe. I grew up on that. Might as well slap my mother in the face. Well, you know I would never do that. You know I think your mother's wonderful. Actually, I think your mother's a... So... Wanna have sex? How was your day? Wanna have sex? Exhausting. Don't even think about it, you sex maniac. Exhausting, huh? Wanna have sex? Exhausting. I'd rather rub broken glass in my eyes. Do you wanna cuddle? Wanna cuddle for two seconds, then have sex? My head hurts. You lay one finger on me and I'll beat you with this lamp, you filthy McNasty. Okay, good night. How about now? You wanna have sex now? So I'm not sure if that would be a good thing or a bad thing, right? <laughs> like some things you're like, yeah, I could use some help in that area, and others you're like, please don't enter my mind, right? <laughs> and so with this topic, I want to give you just permission to laugh. We're going to uh, say some things that are uh, kind of funny, right? And then we're also going to be talking about some things that are pretty heavy. And so um, I understand that sex is a difficult topic. And so I'm going to just pray that we uh, really listen to God. <laughs> We find out what the Bible says about it. We listen to his spirit because we've done one of two things with sex. We've hardened ourselves against it. We've built walls based off of past relationships or things that uh, we, we feel just wrong about. And so we've hardened our heart with it. Or we, are, we haven't put up enough walls. And we allow a lot of things in that shouldn't be in our marriage. And so I pray that God softens our hearts today. So I want to pray that we soften hearts, but I also want to say, hey, this isn't a time for you to like elbow your spouse, right? And say, hey, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And I'm talking to men specifically, right? And so let's pray and then we'll begin. Father, I do pray that you teach us today from your word what it means to have intimacy with our spouse. God, teach us to have, how to have intimacy with you first, because if that is not there, then intimacy with our spouse is not all what it can be. Father, I pray that you help us to, to grow closer to you, to soften our hearts, to help us to realize where we need to change, to look more like you in our relationship with our spouses, God. God, I just pray that your spirit just restores, heals, mends, recreates, and just gives joy, peace, love, all of this stuff that it can give, especially in this topic, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So in our culture, we get slammed with, with this idea of sex. I mean, it is in the movies, it's in TV, right? It's in uh, the magazines, it's in our, on our computers, it's, it's at our workplace, it's in our talk, it's in our jokes. It's all of these things just come, come at us. And if we don't have a biblical understanding of what sex is, then we're being told a lot of different things and we can't truly grasp and give a definition or a goal to hit. So we're going to take a look and see what the Bible says is sex. And so I want to first say sex in our culture, it tends to be a goal. Like it's a goal in marriage. We're going to get married. Uh, me and my wife, we dated three years. We were virgins. We never had sex. We did some things that were probably ungodly, honestly, in our relationship, but we never had sex. We were virgins until that night. 
And so I want you to know that it is possible. Things are possible with God. It is a gift that he gives us. And in my mind, what? You get married and you get to have sex. That's the goal of marriage. And that, that means that we tend to elevate it too high. We tend to worship it too high. And so we put it, the creation above the creator, and we don't guard our hearts against some things. But on the other end, we tend to downplay it. We say it's the goal of child, of expanding our family, of childbirth. And we say, though, that's really all it, all it needs to be. And we downplay it to a goal that's simply to expand our family, and, and that's it. And God intends it to be so much more than that. In fact, I'm, I'm willing to say that sex is not supposed to be a goal in marriage. It's supposed to be a gift in marriage. Like God tells us, sex is not a goal but it is a gift. And so what do we do with a gift? Let's think about a gift, okay? We think about a gift. If, if we wrap up a bike for Christmas, right, to give to our, our children, it, the goal isn't for them to open it up. The goal, that, that's the goal. Christmas Day, open it up and get this excitement feeling about this moment. Well, the thing is, is if they don't use the gift as it's intended, then they don't get everything out that it, that it needs to be. And so God says, no, it's not simply a goal in marriage. It is a gift for marriage. And so think about a gift. You want your kid to, to get on the bike and try to ride, right? And you want to continue for him to study, to learn how to do it, to practice it. So he finds enjoyment, he finds joy, he finds adventures in this bike. But the thing is, if a, if a child distorts the use of the bike, right? It can hurt. It can bring hurt and destruction. I mean, he can pick the bike up, chunk it through a window because he's so mad at it, right? That's going to destroy property. You can run over a friend. You can run over an animal. You can run into your friend that's riding on a bike on purpose. You can do something foolish on a bike and hurt yourself. And so we take a look at sex like a gift. It's the same thing. God says, this is a gift for you in marriage, and I want you to use it the way I intend it. So it brings a lot of pleasure, a lot of joy, a lot of excitement, a lot of adventure. It connects you like no other. But in our culture, we have distorted it. We've changed it. We've pretty much worshipped it into a position to where it's brought a lot of pain, suffer, suffering, and, and just destruction in our marriages. So what is sex? Well, sex is complex. And I take you to Matthew twenty two thirty seven, and this is where Jesus is asked, what's the number one commandment in the Bible? And he says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many of y'all are just confused by that statement alone? This is participation. How many of you have ever been confused? What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Like, I've, I've read that. I'm like, I just don't get some of this. And it is to love the Lord with your whole being. It is complex. Our relationship with God is complex. It's hard. And so does it surprise us that our relationship with our spouse that should mimic the relationship between God and the church is complex? We should love our spouse with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It should be the love that we have for God is mimicked in our relationship with our spouse because it's a direct reflection between God and his church. And so it is complex. It's to be fruitful. He tells Adam and Eve right at the beginning um, to go forth and, and multiply, be fruitful and multiply. And I can tell you at Stone Point we have no problem with that. I don't know if you've ever been back in the kids' area, right? On a Sunday morning, birth through fifth grade, we have 150 kids here at our campus and at Edgewood, total. 
And at Wednesday night, we have over 100 students every Wednesday night. We've got this commandment down, right? We can go forth and, and be fruitful and multiply. But it is to be limited. In 1 Corinthians 7, 2, it shows here, Brandon read this last week, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. So it's limited in a relationship. So what relationships are we allowed to have physical intimacy in? And David Platt, he does a perfect job at experience of just discussing this in one of his secret churches because we tend to well, is this okay? 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 And it's based off of a relationship. And so the very first relationship we see that it is limited to is it says in, in the Bible not to have sex with your neighbor's wife or husband. So there's this neighbor relationship. So in our society, what is our neighbor relationship? Well, it's your actual neighbor. It's your coworker. It's your friend. It's your acquaintance. It's your social media contacts. It's everything that is not a family member is a neighbor relationship and therefore should not have physical intimacy in it. Another relationship that the Bible says do not have sex with is a brother, sister, mother, father, uncle, aunt. So it's a family member. And so I'm going to speak to singles and, and those that are dating right now. If you're not married, I want you to realize that if you are a follower of Christ, you are a son or daughter of, of God. That is the relationship you have with God. And if you are biblically dating somebody or looking to biblically date somebody, then you should be equally yoked. And so what does that mean? You should be trying to date somebody that worships the same God as you do. And if you don't, you're going to have a lot of trouble in life because just like Solomon, you can be taken away from God to worship many other gods. And so if you are biblically dating someone equally yoked, that means they are a son or daughter of Christ. So what type of relationship spiritually is that? It's a brother or sister in Christ. And so it's pretty plain that we don't have sex before marriage with that type of relationship. And so we are allowed, once we are married, to have sex because it's, a, it's like a wedding gift for God, from God. He says, on your wedding, here you go. It's the best gift I can give you. And I want you to see this. Like This is given to us specifically as couples because if you think of the number one relationship we should have, what is that? It is between God and us. We do not have a physical relationship with God. We have a spiritual relationship. We have an emotional relationship. We have an intellectual relationship. We experience emotions when God gives us love, peace, right? And he forgives us and we have anger and we talk back and forth with him. We have an emotional experience with God. We also have an intellectual experience with God. He teaches us through his word who we are to be and who he is, and we are growing constantly, learning about each other. He knows us fully, and we are to fully know him. And we have a spiritual relationship where he is the creator of all. And so this is the perfect relationship we have. Sex is a simple gift in marriage. It's saying, I want you to experience the relationship that I have with you with your spouse and then here's the icing on the cake, physical intimacy, okay? So it's a gift from God, and it's to be limited. There should not be a single person in this world that knows more about your spouse than you do. There should not be a family member. There should not be a coworker. There should not be a social media contact. There should not be anyone on this earth that knows your spouse more than you do. 
It is limited to that type of relationship. It should be pleasurable. There, we talk about in merge, in our merge class, which is our premarital counseling class, is that there are parts of our body that were created by God simply for the pleasure of sex. That's all it is. And so God intended it to be pleasurable. Back in Genesis 18, 12, he goes, there's this conversation with Sarah and Abraham, right? Abraham is 90 to 100, um, Sarah is 80 to 90, and he, God comes and says, hey, you're going to have a child. And Sarah questions him. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm old, and am I going to receive pleasure again? So from the very beginning, you see that people found pleasure in intimacy with one another. And it's supposed to be selfless and complementary. In 1 Corinthians 7:4, for the wife does not have a, does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And now what it's saying, it's not saying that, hey, I'm the husband and I have control over your body. That's the wrong picture of this verse. What it is saying is, I realize that I'm the husband and I don't have control over my own body, and I freely give it to my wife. And the wife says, I realize I don't have control over my body and I'm freely giving it to my husband. And it's this idea of a selfless relationship, not a selfish relationship. It's a sacrificial relationship. It's to be a give and take relationship. And the problem is, is we distort it in, in our society and we use it as a parental relationship, right? The worst way that you can parent your child is to bribe them. Do you agree with me? Worst way that you, can, that you can get your children to do something. And so what do we do as husbands and wives? Well, you're not going to do this, so I'm going to withhold sex. You're not going to do this, so I'm going to withhold connecting emotionally, intellectually, spiritually from you. And the problem is, is when we do that, we have transferred the idea of what God intends for sex, and we make it a parental relationship, and that's not what it's supposed to be between spouses. It is to be a give-and-take relationship. It is to be a selfless act. And so that is biblically what sex is. So if we know what sex is, if biblically it's supposed to be all of these things, and it's a gift, well, we have to know how to steward a gift, right? God gives us our income. He gives us money and says, steward it well. And you're going to be held accountable to how you steward what I give you. And so he gives us this intimacy that we can have in relationship. And so we are going to be held accountable on how we steward it. And so I'm going to go and just list limitations and how not to steward it first, okay? So Again, no sex out of marriage. If you continue on 1 Corinthians here in, se- in chapter 7, it talks about widows and those that are single. It says, it is good to be single. In fact, that's what, this is what we hope that you will be, is single. Because it's good to have a relationship with God. And if you bring in other uh, relationships, it will bring difficulties in life. And how many of y'all can say, yes, I've been there, right? So, He says, remain single, but if you can't, if you can't, if you have passions that you need to make sure that you have satisfied, then get married. And so it is implying there, right, that if sex was okay out of marriage, there was no reason to command to be married. And so it is to be within marriage. It is supposed to be within the wedding, the marriage circle. Like it is, don't bring anyone else in this circle. It's between a husband and a wife. So men, ladies, if you are cheating on your spouse, I want you to realize the magnitude that we have here. It is not just that you're hurting somebody, but you're giving a poor reflection on how God relates to the church. 
If you are cheating on your wife, men, I'm going to talk to you. If you're cheating on your wife, what you're saying is the church is not lovable enough by God to this world. You're saying that I have loved someone else and I'm going to forget this group over here and I'm going to go love somebody else. You're giving a poor reflection on how God loves us as the church. Ladies, if you're cheating on your husband, you're basically telling him, telling the world that there are multiple gods to worship because your, reflect, your picture in marriage is between the church and God. And so if you're saying, well, I don't love this God enough, I'm going to find someone else to love, you're basically saying that, this is the, that God is not worthy of our love, that there are multiple gods that we can serve, there's multiple ways we can get to heaven. And this is the picture that you're putting to the, the world. This is the magnitude of the relationship of marriage. Jesus takes it a step further and says, no sexual deviation. Matthew 5, 28, he says, well, you've heard that they, you don't, you're not supposed to commit adultery. And I say, don't look lustful from a, to a lady because then you're committing adultery in your heart. The picture is that you know the law, but you've deviated in, from some way because you found a loophole. And Jesus says, no, it starts here. And so what do we see in our society in our culture where we have deviated from, well, first and foremost, we worship sex too much in our culture. We have worshiped the creation more than the creator. We've decided that this is more important in our relationship than our relationship with God. And so we tend to worship it more. We have these expectations, these unhealthy expectations and these fantasies that we bring in because of our evil thoughts. And in lust, we tend to lust after things through our own eyes. And, and this is how we've deviated from what God intended for us to have as a couple. Prostitution, sex again, is a gift. It's not something you pay for. We've deviated it from in our culture. Pornography, this is the number one killer of intimacy really with couples. And if you're a couple in here that brings this into your marriage, this, God doesn't want that. And if you're a husband that's doing it by himself, God doesn't want that. If you're a wife doing it by yourself, looking at pornography, God doesn't want that. Because you are putting unhealthy expectations on your spouse. Think about Adam and Eve for a second. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. How did they learn how to have sex? Right? God taught them. God is sufficient enough in our marriages to learn how to receive this gift. He puts it in his, in his word. The problem is in our merge class, we talk about this also. If you have questions of, is this okay, 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 is this okay? More than likely, 90% of that came from pornography because you have these unhealthy expectations that you've seen or, or you're curious about based off of something that you've gotten from the wrong source. And so I can tell you, if you're dealing with this, get into Regen. This is a place that you can come and, and take your hurts, habits, and hang-ups and just move forward in what God wants you to do in life. And so get in region. Find a healthy way to connect with people that are dealing with the same things. Homosexuality, again, is between a husband and a wife. Homosexuality is uh, something that's in our culture a lot nowadays. We are, what, we are not tolerant because we don't agree with this viewpoint. 
Uh, no animals, Bible's pretty clear on that, and family members, no family members. But we have deviated from this as a society, and a lot of this has become now, our third point, a normalized sexual thought. Like what would have been rated R in my day is now PG-13. You agree? What we see on normal TV would have been on Showtime or HBO back in my day. You agree? Yeah. What we see on the book stands would not have been there back in my day. And so this idea of normal sexualized thought, we find it in the workplace where we go and hang out and do things together with other people. Give you an example. We have a sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey coming out. When has it become normal in our society that it is okay to go watch this movie about a man who has all of these fantasies that want to act out this on a virgin because they're connected intellectually and, and emotionally? When has that become okay? And we will have people in this building that go and see it. When has that become okay in our society? Brandon put out a wonderful blog on on that alone. If you go check his Facebook page, it's from Watermark, it's a fantastic blog on it. It's where I found all my information. So, sex should not be abusive or violent. Oh, I'm sorry, Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, we should actually memorize this verse because it says whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is honorable, whatever is excellent, think about these things. Because we need to start guarding our thoughts. We need to hold every thought captive and not become normalized with, with culture. Abusive or violent. In Ephesians 5, 25 through 26, it talks about husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Women, love your husbands as the church loves God. That's what it's saying in that verse. Abusive and violent sexual acts usually end up being a very selfish way to relate. And so I want to read to you a verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know this chapter, it's the love chapter. But I'm going to enter my name, and I want you, whether you're here or watching it online or whatever, to think about you in this picture, okay? And the way that you relate to your spouse. Brian, in the way he relates physically with his spouse, is patient and kind. Brian does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. Brian does not insist on his own way in physical relationships with his spouse. It is, he is not irritable or resentful. He, is, he does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Brian, in the relationship physically with his wife, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Can you say that you love your spouse that much? Can you honestly tell your spouse that I have loved all things, I've bared all things, I've endured all things for a sacrificial way of living? It's heavy. It's heavy. But it's the standard that we're held to in God's eyes. And so we need to be able to realize it is a sacrificial love that we are to have for our spouses. Dress in modesty. We, uh, it's been pretty clear in our culture that we just kind of dress however we want to. It's okay. That, that guys, it's okay to look. That, that it's okay because they're wearing it that way. And so let me tell you this. 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 23 through 24 here says, hey, some things are lawful. Some things are permissible. But not all is beneficial and not all is helpful. 
And so we need to think through that lens when we're dressing, when we're looking, when we're doing all of this stuff. And women, I'm not trying to tell you to dress so that your brothers don't stumble. Men, you are to lead in a way that you suck it up, that you don't look, that you don't lust, because we are to love first as Christ loved the church. It is our responsibility first, and our wives respond to our love. And so women, you don't need to dress that way because God loves you. God loves you and he wants to adorn you with his spirit. And so men, we need to take responsibility. If you are a Christ follower, you have the spirit living in you and the last thing that the spirit gives you is self-control. Use it. That's what we need to do in our culture so that we can stand out differently and be an example for Jesus. All right, that was heavy, I know. So, Let's go with, okay, so if we know the limitations or the things we are not to do, then what, what are we to do? Because now I'm like all confused, right? You're like, oh, great, Brian. You told me everything I can't do. I don't even know what I'm allowed to do. Am I allowed to walk out of my house? Well, let's set a standard, okay? We're going to set a standard with Ephesians 5, chapter 5. And it's the way that the husbands and the wives should relate here. So wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now wives, I'm not telling you, you do everything he says. Okay, I know this idea of submission in today's culture is a horrible thing to talk about in our viewpoint. But realize who loves us first. God does. We never seek out God. As a human, we want to do whatever pleases us. So God is the one that pursues us. God's the one that loves us unconditionally. God's the one that, that uh, loves us no matter what we do. And he is the one that we respond to as a church. We realize the love and the magnitude of, of that, that we can't help to respond in, in saying, yeah, I don't want to do my old way of life. I want to respond the way that God wants me to. That is a biblical type of submission. And so wives, you, if... Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And if you do that, intimacy will be fine. If you love your wives as Christ loved the church, intimacy, whether physically, emotionally, intellectually, or spiritually, will be good. And so take that because, men, you are to lead in this area. And he goes on and says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Husbands, we have a huge responsibility here so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And all the, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Husbands, can you honestly say every word that you say, every thought that you take captive, and every way that you love your wife physically can present her to God wholly and without blemish? That is a standard that we are required to hit as a husband. That is a difficult job. So men, the only way that you can love your wife is if you have a connection with Christ first. If you love Christ, you will understand how to love your wife. So what does that take us to? 
How are we going to steward it? Based off of that type of standard, how do we steward it? The very first thing we see is that God pursued us. God pursued us as people that did not want a relationship with him. And he followed us. He continued to come. And if you're here and follower of Christ today, you understand this because you know how far you went away from Christ to come back and be forgiven and redeemed. And there is a holy pursuit that Christ has for us that we need to mimic that in our relationship. We need to pursue each other. Just as Christ pursued us, the church pursues God. And so pursue each other. What does this mean? Well, in Matthew, it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. That means you sever the relationship of, of having a father and mother here and you hold fast to your wife. She is the one that's supposed to know you the best. The two shall become one flesh so that they no longer are two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. You are to pursue no matter what. You're to connect intimately no matter what in all of those areas. The problem is, is we live a life that kills that. There's so many things that can kill the idea of pursuing one another. So I'm going to read you a list. I talked to people today, and it is okay to laugh at some of these things, okay? But I talked to, this, I talked to people this week, just what are some things that kill intimacy? And the very first thing is kids. I mean, every single person, kids, 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 right? The kids, laundry, washing dishes, stress, job, tiredness, lack of communication, in-laws, pets, text messages, phone ringing, television, our own thoughts, misplaced humor, misplaced expectations, pornography, weather, headaches, singing, gas, body odor, hair, thoughts on weight, faulty bed slats, uncomfortable back seats, tight spots, policemen, natural disasters, uncomfortable mattress, too much light, too little light, mentally disconnected, alcohol, drugs, childbirth, pregnancy, sexual abuse, messy house, bed not made, sickness, finances, PMS, our past, computers, social media, our friends, co-workers, surgery, personalities, dirty sheets, lack of coffee, hungry, schedules, bad breath, books, hurt teeth, lotion is too cold, chocolate is too hot, bugs, itches, and the list goes on and on and on. I asked everybody those things. I even got emails from them. Oh, I thought about this one. In our relationship, does it surprise us that Satan will use anything to destroy it? If anything in this world can destroy the relationship between a man and a wife, how much more do we need to be intentional on pursuing one another? We do that because God, despite everything, nothing can separate us from his love. And I want to read that to you because this is how we should look at our love for our spouse. For I'm Sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing should separate our love for our spouse based off of our love for Christ. So know that. Pursue one another. Chase one another. Connect intimately. Well, how do we do that? in humble devotion and a sacrificial way. So women, if your husbands are saying, man, I just, I just want shaved legs. I just want shaved legs, right? <laughs> Shave your legs, right? Be sacrificial. Men, if she's saying, you know what? You've put on a little weight. You need to do some little exercise. Guess what? Time to lose the weight. Be sacrificial. 
Do everything you can in a way that honors God and sacrifice some things that, that you hold, hold fast to, to love your wife, to love your spouse. And live in a great anticipation. Think about this. Like we, if all we could anticipate was life here on earth, we would have no hope. But we anticipate the day that we stand face to face with the creator of this world, our savior. And not only does he know us perfectly at that point, we get to know him perfectly. And we hold fast to that day. It's what gets us going in the morning. It's what keeps us going in our life is that hope in Christ. And so if we have that type of anticipation for a relationship with God, we need to have that same type of anticipation in our marriage. And so if things are difficult, woke up and I said the wrong things, well, that's okay. Forgive me, tomorrow will be better. If I woke up and had something that killed our intimacy, like that whole list, well, tomorrow will be better. We need to live in a great anticipation that God is going to bless and strengthen our marriages and move us forward despite where we are right now. And so it may be great right now. Guess what? Tomorrow's better. Praise God. It may be difficult right now. Guess what? Tomorrow's going to be better. And praise God. So just know, live in great anticipation. So what does that do? I'm going to challenge you because last week, Brandon challenged us with the 705 challenge. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come again together so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And he said, hey, take the 705 challenge, set your alarm at 705 to be a reminder to pray with one another. So I'm challenging you seven days a week, five times a day, be intimate with your spouse. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, that is physically impossible. <laughs> I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about all types of intimacy. Connect in five ways. Spiritually, intimately, physically, intellectually, sp- emotionally. Find ways to connect. And so, great anticipation physically. There's a study out there that Mark sent me that... Um, It says that happy couples today have sex at least once a week. I'm going to challenge you, once a week. I know some of y'all are like, this is not possible for me. We're going off of once a month right now because of the way life is. Challenge you more. Challenge you to step it up. And you may not be there. You may be in a relationship right now that is on the brink of a divorce. And you're like, there's no way I can do that. Well, then I challenge you to connect all the other ways. Because that's really all we need in marriage. And sex is just the icing on the cake. And I can guarantee you that if you connect emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually, the physical will come. Because God is good, and he restores. And so, weekly, there's not a lot of difference between those that have it once a week and twice a week, but there's a huge difference between those that have it once a week and every other week, every month, every other month. So I challenge you, step it up in this area if you're not. Emotionally, get connected. Coffee and communication. Have a time that you're connecting with your spouse emotionally that does not lead to sex. Ladies, you're welcome. (laughs) If I don't connect with my spouse emotionally, then it's going to be hard to connect physically just because that's where she is. That's how God created her, that she connects here first before she connects any other type of the body, part of the body. So just know, connect emotionally 
Connect intellectually, learn together. Find some topics that you can learn. If your marriage is not good, learn how to fix it. Get some books that are based off of the Bible. Get into some things where you can talk together as spouses. Learn. If you're parenting, you think your parenting stinks, find some biblically-based studies that you can talk together and learn how to parent well. And if you're saying, I'm a rock star both as a husband and a parent, then find something that you can learn about. Start a hobby together. Learn how to do something together. Learn about the other person's job. They got the job for a reason. Find out why. Learn together. Don't stop that. And then connect spiritually. You should always be connecting spiritually. The first thing out of our mouths in the morning should, what should, what did God teach you today? Or at night? What did God teach you from his word? Connect spiritually. Find a book in the Bible. I'm going to hand you one. Song of Solomon. It's all about sex. Good job. Way to go. Study that together. If not, go to the Gospels. Learn how Jesus loves the church, and you will learn how to love your spouse better. So, my command to you is be fruitful and multiply. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you. Thank you so much for not leaving us in this topic, God. For not just throwing us out there and saying, I'm not going to give you a guide to it. God, I thank you for laying it out in your word. God, I pray that you help us to connect more with our spouses and more to you ultimately. Help us to receive your love and connect with you in all the areas of intimacy that we can pour out out onto our spouse, God. For those that are in difficult relationships right now, God, I pray for restoration. I pray for healing. I pray for hope. I pray for love. I pray for patience. God, I pray for us change of heart, a softened heart, that we can tear down some walls, that you can pour into your spirit and, and recreate a pure heart in them, God. God, I pray that you just help us to remain faithful to our spouses, to remain pure, to remain holy, so that we can be the best representation of your relationship with the church, God, to this world. God, I pray for protection around families. I pray for protection around marriages. And God, continue to pursue us, continue to teach us as we humbly devote ourselves to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.